content warning. This episode contains descriptions of factory farming and slaughterhouse practices that may disturb some viewers. Welcome to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Welcome everyone to the Deep Drinks Podcast, uh, where the drinks are deep and the conversations deeper. My name is Dave, and today we have Paul Bashir, which, who is the co-founder, who is a vegan activist and the co-founder of um, Anonymous for the Voiceless, uh, which is a non-for-profit animal rights organization specializing um, in using conversation and animal agricultural footage to inform the public uh, about the food industry's animal exploitation. I met Paul in Brisbane, uh, where we, where some of the volunteers were showing like footage of like uh, factory farms and like common practices in Australia. And then when people would stop, he would they would simply ask them, "How does the footage make you feel?" And I thought that was a really interesting way to engage with animal ethics. Um, Paul is a certified plant-based nutritionist um, through the C. C. Collins Campbell Center for of Nutrition Studies. And um, Paul has made it his life's mission to fight against animal torture and abuse, which he sees as the biggest injustice in the world. He credits the movie Earthlings and fellow animal rights activist uh, Gary Yufsky, uh, Yufsky, sorry, I might have got that wrong, as major influences in his activism. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, David. It's uh, and Paul, Paul, well, well, first of all, you rubbed me the right way straight away because in our correspondence, uh, you suggest you you knew exactly what you wanted. I said, "What drink are you going to be drinking, Paul?" And you said, "An ice cold, uh, and then whatever this is called, a, a Winhinstefanava." Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to say. I don't know how to say it, but uh, but th- this it's one a here, long word. yeah, and uh, yeah, that's what we're drinking today. Yeah, while we discuss animal ethics. So normally, what we do uh, is we normally go into a bit of a backstory about like you know, you know, where, like how you came to have the beliefs that you have or hold, hold the ideologies that you have. But I thought instead we'll jump straight into like the reasons for why, um, why veganism essentially. Um, but first, before we get into that, so pre pre-introduction, how long have you been a vegan for? Um, nine years approaching 10. Okay, cool. All right. And um, and was it Earthlings mainly that like you first saw Earthlings and then it kind of got you thinking about how what our relationship with animals and how we we use them? Um, the first documentary I ever saw that connected me to what has, is happening in animal farming is Food Co. OK. Um, and then I saw Earthlings some months after that and then. I watched Gary Urofsky's speech in Georgia, speaking to university students at Georgia Tech. And yeah, it was, it's a viral video. And that really cemented my understanding on what veganism is. Mm. And that's when I realized that I was 100% in alignment with what it actually means versus what society thinks it means. Yeah. So it's it's actually really interesting uh, because a lot of people know vegans for like, um, you know, um, going like they a lot of the when I say the public, I mean like random people who aren't vegans, um, carnivores or omnivores or whatever. They will see vegans in a negative light because they're usually portrayed in a negative light. Um, there's that old joke: How do you know someone's vegan? They'll tell you. 
or uh, it's the same thing for atheists um or you know you, you see footage of um people going into restaurants and saying meat is murder and screaming um and that's that's the generally the most people have with uh interaction most people have with veganism um yeah but uh, for you and, and for the uh anonymous for the voiceless i see that you you literally go out in the street and you literally put the reality of what like what people's choices food choices are just out there and this yeah. isn't like this isn't insanely well it is insanely graphic but it's not like you're cherry picking well from what i could tell you're not cherry picking like the worst of the worst of the worst where there's like some mass murder some mass murderer just running around a farm killing animals for fun you're just showing the current industry practices um and is, is that that's correct right like i'm not you're not 100 yeah and, and we're not showing footage that like you said is like the most gratuitous most insane acts of cruelty in those industries it's, it's only what we were able to record so mm. if if we're showing it on our screens and it looks bad then it's most likely a lot worse on actual farms mm. because that was only what we were able to get right it's right. not these facilities aren't surveilled 24 hours a day and then that footage is released to the public for everyone to witness and if it was and people were watching that footage every day then you would most likely see a lot worse going on than what we show but even if we were to show just the worst case scenarios we would still have a good point because like this is <laughs> yeah. what people are responsible for right um yeah. but really what we're showing is just the standard the absolute standard practices that that go on and it's not to say that the treatment needs to change it's to say that this entire industry needs to have its funeral mm. once and for all Mm. See, so straight away, if I, um, I'm trying to be it's, it's empathetic to someone who maybe hasn't considered these arguments before, and straight away I can see the cognitive dissonance starting to creep up in my imagined mind, right? And okay, let's get uh, into it. Well, I think that what happens is is um, is immediately people get hit with excuses or whatever, right? But what I want to kind of drive home is the point that. If you agree in any way that the treatment of that there should be any like level of respect for animals or or like uh, like that you know we shouldn't be able to just like skin cats for fun or, or or drown puppies for fun. If you think that's immoral on some level, then you probably will have a problem with what's happening in even the nicest farms in in um, the world. So. I just want to encourage people that if you are watching this and you're immediately thinking, oh, here we go, a big like circle jerk of like information, I just want you to kind of listen to the arguments. And then at the end of this conversation, we will be going through some some basic, um, some basic like objections that people have and answering some of your questions too. So, but first I I want you to just tell us, and and I've I only know a little bit about it, but I want you to tell us the life, the, the, the birth, life, and death of a standard pig, cow, mm -hmm. or chicken, or sheep in an, mm -hmm. in an average farm. 
and and does it differ from like Europe to Australia to um, Canada to America? Um, it's, so it's maybe we can start with pigs. The same. Sure, pigs. Okay, okay sure. Um, but to answer your question, it's roughly the same thing. Um, obviously, there are some very um, minuscule amounts of farms out there that farm pigs in a free range. They call it free range, which is a real bastardization of the English language. Um, but they're out in fields versus being in factory farms. But by far and large, 99% of the pigs that people eat come from factory farms. So from birth, these piglets are born from mothers who are laying in what they call sow crates. And these sow crates are about the size of their body. So they cannot turn around. The mothers cannot. <clears throat> They cannot um, do. They can't do anything other than standing up and lying back down. That's literally their lives, their entire lives. Um, no. The wait, their entire lives, not just like when they're giving birth or whatever. Is it their entire lives? Um, well, they are supposed to also be there for their piglets during the the you know after they've been born um so they're there for a quite a long time um i actually don't know you're asking me a good question right now because i actually don't know the time period in which they spend in sour crates i know that they only live a fraction of their lifespans um okay so like for example cows live up until age 20 the oldest recorded living cow i think was 28 um and maybe even older than that. I haven't looked at this for a while now, but, but they are murdered within four years, five years maximum of their lifespan. And it's the same with pigs. Um, they're killed at a very, very, very young age. So it's likely that most, if not all of their lives, once they are in motherhood or at the age when they deem them able to give birth, then they'll spend the majority of their time in those sow crates. Um, and so how much of the, how much of ham, bacon, pork comes from those? Like how much of the the stuff that people eat comes from that type of farming? Ninety nine percent of it. Right. Okay. Okay. So let's say let's say someone's a really ethical. They never go to any fast food. They never go to any restaurants, and they uh -huh. they buy their pigs from the nicest. Let's say the nicest free range farm. The pigs go getting their belly rubbed every day and stuff. What's the death like for that pig? A lot of people, and I know that you're not doing this. I just like to touch on this really quick, and then I'll answer your question. A lot of people um, that we speak to on the streets they they focus almost entirely on how it's done mm -hmm. and they think that there's a better way to do it but then when you simply describe the way that it's done or show it no one in there or like if they're being intellectually honest right no one in their right mind thinks that what is happening is acceptable and of course the only thing you need to do in order to 
conclude whether it's acceptable or not is imagine it happening to you. Mm -hmm. And um, none of it is acceptable. But for context sake, to answer your question, um, most pigs in this country and in the UK are killed in gas chambers. Um, so the, the vast majority of them are killed in gas chambers, which is where they're lowered in these gondolas into a gas chamber. Um, and they load several pigs into these gas chambers at a time. And they are exposed to toxic gases that burn them from the inside out because these gases attach to any amount of moisture that they have in their bodies. So mucus or anything like that. And it attaches to that and then burns from the inside out. So these pigs die thrashing and fighting for their lives, screaming at the, I mean, the, the, a pig scream is extremely harrowing and mm. they die a horrific, horrific death. They are clearly in pain. Clearly they are suffering until the bitter end. Um, when I first learned this, it really baffled me that humans would then eat the flesh of an animal that's gone through that. Um, because first of all, I just didn't understand how that does not affect the flesh, right? If you're just purely thinking about this from a quality point of view, quality of, mm. of meat, point of, but then also because you're consuming suffering if you choose to do that, like you're literally consuming a tortured soul, a tortured mm. animal. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how most pigs are killed. Now in the other cases where they're not killed that way, they are usually electrically prodded or stunned. Um, both of which does not kill the animal. It renders their limbs useless. They become docile and easier to control and then they are stabbed in the throat and hung upside down to bleed out. And a lot of people have to say, well, halal is worse. Well, it actually <laughs> is almost identical to the way that it's done in um, Western farms. But anyway, um, I'm sure that I'm sure that if you were to ask a pig uh, which way it would like to die, if it could communicate that, it probably would choose to live. It probably wouldn't want to die in any case. Even if it was the, even if it was dying in their sleep, it probably has a will to live, right? So, like, exactly, take... and that's of course, right? And and yeah. this is the other, this is like a good segue for those who love to say, well, they should be treated right throughout their lives, and they shouldn't mm. be in factory farms. Most non-vegans disagree with factory farming. Joe Rogan being the most popular. However. And most people who say that actually still continue to support factory farming and, and seem to do it unfazed. However, mm. um, even in the small scale farming where you give them better quality of life, you then have built more value in life for that animal. So, and then you want to take that life away from them in, 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 a, in a life, in an animal's life where they have built up more value than than a factory farmed animal would have for their lives. So mm. it's even more cruel to go about it that way. And that's why there, yeah. is, there is no solution to this if you focus on how to do it. There mm. is no good way to do something that's inherently evil. Murder now, is evil. 
and <laughs> there's no nice way to do it. I'm going to segue into a an, into a bizarre question. Um, do you, th if there was a farm that existed that raised animals in the best possible way you could think of, so think of like an animal refuge or something, right? Like yeah. a, or a rescue farm, and they waited for the animal to die of natural causes. They gave them the most, the best medical medical examinations throughout their whole life, and when it died of natural causes, they took the flesh and ate the flesh. Would you right. have any ethical problem? I mean, there's nutritional problems. Would you have any ethical problems with that? So I obviously have a direct answer to this, but rather than just saying yes or no, can I just also ask if this is in replacement of the situation we have now? Like if we lived in a world where that's what people were doing to animals when they eat animals, in replacement of what's happening now, then of course I'd opt for that, 100%. But the thing is, there isn't a single uh, that I know of or have even heard of, and I'm sure I would have heard of it by now, um, the, a farm like this doesn't exist. A sanctuary. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, it just doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, of, of but, course. But yeah, it is, a, it, is, it is technically a loophole. Uh, well, could, where, could you, you know, or, or we could even rephrase it. Let's say you, when you retire, you decide to run a refuge and an animal passes away instead of burying that animal um yeah. and and losing that um yeah that flesh would you then maybe take some of that meat feed it to yourself if you like, you probably wouldn't want to or would you have any ethical problems with feeding it to your other you know to yourself or to anyone you know would you have any ethics ethical problems with doing that yeah i would i personally would because um first of all it's unnecessary you know, if, if it was necessary, then maybe I would think about it, but it's unnecessary. Second of all, um, you know, I don't think that that is a respectful way of honoring an animal that assuming in that condition you have built a bond with and you've looked after them. And I just don't see, I don't see that as anything but insane, quite frankly, to just eat someone that you've been looking after for so long. You wouldn't do that in any other context with humans, of course. So it, not that I necessarily view non-human animals as human, but basic values when it comes to morality, like basic rights, I think, um, ought to be respected, like the rights to at least not have your body eaten by someone else, right? If, you don't, if it mm. doesn't need to be eaten by someone else. Um, and lastly, which is just a caveat, I don't think that eating an old being who's died of old age is going to be very, um, I just like most people, this is why people don't do it. I think, um, like the, their flesh would be really hard to eat, probably hard to mm. digest. And, um, it makes my stomach turn even thinking about it. And so, mm. no, I personally would have an ethical issue mainly, but as a caveat, I don't even think that it would be biologically satisfying. Yeah, of course. Of course. But I mean, well, I, you see, I, where I come from is I don't know if I would consider that unethical. Um, I might, I don't even consider, like, let's say if I was to pull up on the side of the road and I was to find roadkill, right. That's been killed yeah. by on the roads. I, I would, I would think it's, I wouldn't think it's unethical to take bits of that. I wouldn't want to do it because meat grosses me out now that I haven't eaten it in a few years. Really grosses me out. But like cooking bacon 
like we i had some friends cooking bacon over here once and it made me feel sick but the the concept of uh the concept of not taking that meat right not taking that food and then opting to eat something else couldn't someone make the argument that you're causing more waste in the world and you're causing more suffering to animals because obviously yeah. that food food needs to come to some, from somewhere and the crop deaths of the animals of like rodents and insects and stuff so i could even see like the flip side of that in that it's like not eating that animal although it makes me feel disgusted would actually be unethical and i mean that's a that's a bizarro yeah. world but it's like sometimes i feel like that's unfortunately where the philosophical endpoints of ethics gets you to you know well what you're talking about is a hypothetical situation doesn't apply to either of our lives it mm. probably never will ever mm. um and in fact i would say that everyone watching this it will probably never ever apply oh, to them yeah yeah either. of course i i um, i i I, I would assume that my um, audience is smart enough to realize to, to catch on to what we're actually talking about yeah like, no would, I, would you i, I mean to say that it, whilst it's a good point like it's a good philosophical um test of um of logic or moral reasoning um it just wouldn't apply and i just I, i'm just saying that because like i said before if this was in replacement of people eating animals then i'd be for it i would have no issue i wouldn't oppose it or protest it in any shape or form i would be like yeah cool you found a moral loophole in all of this mm. you want to eat old animals that have died naturally you haven't killed them you've given them a good life you gave them a sanctuary i can't protest that in, in any shape mm. or form but um i guess that's just not going to be the alternative to what people are currently doing to animals. So that's why I have to point out that it is purely a hypothetical, right? Yeah, I've noticed that um, in just chatting in Brisbane, that your thought process is very much pragmatic. And that makes sense, too, because you're an activist. You're you're like, we this shit needs to change. That needs to change now. Um, so, like, I see that for you, a lot of these questions might be, um, a lot of these, like, thought experiments and stuff might be, like, a distraction from the, the point um and for me uh i, I really enjoy engaging um with them like an, a, another thing i was just going to mention before is um i don't think it's i don't think it's unethical to drink piss right like to drink human piss i would drink my i would drink human piss if i was on an island right to, to survive right <laughs> but given a cold glass of water i'm opting for the water every time the same thing happens when someone says well if you're on a desert island would you eat the pig for me, I'd I'd probably eat whatever the pig was eating, but let's say the pig was dropped in from a balloon, and the only way I could survive was to kill and eat the pig. I'd yeah. probably do that, right? But I'd also drink my own piss. But I'd, once again, given the glass of water, I'd go for the water every time. And I just don't understand when someone make makes these arguments. They choose they can choose between a veggie burger or a burger that inherently contains direct suffering to an animal why they would ever, ever opt for anything but the veggie burger. Um, you know, like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't grasp that concept. And um, just to rant on a little bit more, the, I remember having a conversation with a young lad that was in, working with me. And they said, um, you know, this kid's just out of school. You know, no one's smart at that age. And, but he said um, something about, like, you know, uh, we should, you know, 
uh, cows, we, we kill them for food, right? And that's fine. Uh, and I said, okay. And I said, why wouldn't you eat a veggie burger, right? Instead of a beef burger. And he said, and uh, he said, oh, because um, I like beef. It I like the beef. The, the taste of beef tastes better. I said, how much? How much better? And I said, twice as good, three times as good. And he said, twice as good. And I said, twice as good as the best veggie burger. Okay, cool. I can, I can, I can work with that. Now, like I said, let's say we had a hypothetical experiment where um, we could come up with beef 2.0, and it was like the, it was a better beef. It was more, it was twice as tasty as regular beef. But the way they got this beef was by tenderizing the animal while it was still alive. So they just took a baseball bat and just started beating the shit out of a, out of a cow crushing its bones, splitting its organs, like just beating it together because, but it made the, the beef burger two times as tasty. I said, would you opt for that tastier burger? And he said, no. And I said, why? I said, cause it, cause it's cruel. I said, okay. And I said, so where's the line between taste, taste pleasure? Like how much are you willing to give up? Like, but I could see his brain ticking. Like his brain was like, no, that's cruel. We shouldn't do that for taste. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, do I need to spell it out for you? Like, you are doing this for taste. Like, that's that's what you're currently doing. You're currently saying this is twice, this burger's twice as good for me. So I don't mind having an animal's throat slit, or for it yeah. to live, you know, tenth a tenth its lifespan or twenty a twentieth its lifespan. Uh, sorry, a fifth its lifespan. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so. What would you say to someone who says um, these animals wouldn't survive in the wild? Therefore, they're not supposed to. They weren't supposed to be alive to begin with. Um, if people went vegan, these animals would stop being bred, and mm-hmm. then we'd be left with a surplus of animals that we could either put into sanctuaries, which is what happens for a lot of lucky animals that come from farms. They are put into sanctuaries. Not in, obviously, it only scratches the surface of how many animals are enslaved, tortured, and murdered. However, um, we could we could do that, um, or there could be one final culling of animals, and then that would be it. There would be no more of these beings being bred into existence. And then, if people wanted to eat meat after that point then they would be forced to hunt or to pay for flesh that has been hunted from wild animals. A lot of people think that these animals are wild, like cows, pigs, chickens, sheep, lambs. Um, Yeah, but they're not. These are are animals that have been selectively bred over years and manipulated to the point of absurdity. Yeah, right. Um, so maybe it's a good time to actually talk about like, what got you like go more in depth about what got you, uh, got you interested in veganism and, and how you became a, a, a vegan. Um, so you mentioned before that you, you watched earthlings and, and things like that, but could you go into more depth about your journey? Yeah, sure. Um, well, initially for me, it just sort of started with being super mindful about what I was putting into my body. And this has always been with me for a while now. Like I went through a phase of getting heavily into supplements and then it was superfoods and then, you know, wanting to delve deeper into whole foods and going to the farmer's market and getting everything local. And, and I went down that road of doing everything free range and making sure like, you know, the animals had a good life and all of that. Um, organic 
and all of that. And then um, as I started stripping away the layers of conditioning I had around health, um, I realized that once I became raw, I went, I became a raw foodist for two years. And that's when I was only eating raw plant foods, mainly fruit and lots of vegetable juices and smoothies. And, um, after doing that for a couple of years, um, I realized at some point, and of course that speech that I mentioned really helped with this and these documentaries that the most profound thing that I had embarked on that I had sort of realized in my journey of all of this, um, the most profound aspect of it all was the fact that I was no longer responsible for something I'd been responsible for my whole life. Um, and that something was the greatest form of suffering in our world, the greatest cause of the most brutal and unnecessary cruelty in the world and the largest and longest standing form of oppression in the world. And when, when I like got my head around that aspect, I was, um, nothing but compelled to do something about this and to not just act like I could just bury that information somewhere in the back of my mind and carry on with my life. And um, I just decided that it was important for me to be a person who contributes to the animal rights movement and furthers the animal rights movement so that it can succeed. I think it's important. So you started, uh, you're a co-founder, sorry, of uh, Anonymous for the Voiceless. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so when I started I'll actually, the... I'll actually show some images I've got uh, up about some of the stuff you guys do and mm -hmm. as you tell a story. Yeah, so when I started doing activism, I started doing street activism. Uh, but it was quite frustrating because it wasn't as effective as I would have liked it to be. Um, I really liked doing outreach, speaking to people directly. Mm -hmm. um, I did other forms of activism and um, even online stuff. Um, so that's in Melbourne, that last photo. Yeah, and that's that's a 16 TV cube. So we've got 16 TVs all showing the footage that we've been referring to throughout this so far. That was a fantastic campaign that we did um, right out front of Meyer and Burke Street Mall. So in that mall, that's where we started AV. Um, and essentially, we just wanted to do, and that's in Amsterdam, that's Dam Square. Uh, that's a campaign that we we did called One Damn Day, where we did that for 24 hours. Um, we occupied the entire square. Um, <laughs> and it's that's in the heart of Amsterdam. And we had 800 activists in attendance 
and wow uh, yeah for 24 hours so that 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 the cube what we call the cube of truth that cube is actually on the smaller side compared to what it like how big it was during the peak it was humongous um yeah it's definitely a proud a proud moment in my activism um so where was i we wanted to do street activism with footage that's the crew in melbourne in the earlier days um yeah we wanted to get out there and, and do a form of activism that made sense that was more effective and was a contribution to the animal rights movement a, a significant con contribution so we put together the cube of truth over the course of four or five events we had really like cemented this form of activism um, over the course of 17 events. And that's when we went international under this organization we created called Anonymous for the Voiceless. And, um, and it just spread like wildfire. We ended up um, at, at our peak in terms of number of chapters. We had 1,011 chapters around the world. Each chapter is a city. So in 1,011 cities, we had these cubes of truth operating. Um, and at the moment, we're sitting at around 450. COVID really impacted our work. Um, and yeah, and it's it's become the most popular form of street activism in the animal rights movement. Yeah, it's... um. It's, I've, I've always I've always said this um, I don't know whether or not you'll agree but I've always said that you know the type of vegan activism where you, you burst into a restaurant screaming that meat is murder um, feels very much to me like a street preacher outside of a Marilyn Manson concert telling everyone they're going to hell like how many how many people how many converts to the, does that street preacher get? Now, there may be a, a time and place to scream at someone that's eating meat, that meat is murder. But I think my background's in marketing. I think in regards to marketing, in regards to like veganism, in regards to pushing the message forward and getting people to think, I think just showing the images and standing silently is actually like a really powerful way to engage with people's like they're not they're, they're interested because of what's going on here they're not like uh avoid because i'm getting yelled at um do you find that most people like do you find that you're actually getting up this is gonna sound weird but like people who are who are like literally going i'm going to become vegan on the spot like converts almost like are you finding that you're getting like people uh who who are reaching out to you and saying hey you've changed my mind or is that happening? Um, yeah, no doubt. The, the last cube that we did, um, I was on a live stream. So we do a cube every Saturday in um, Queensland and in Brisbane. And um, yeah, the one that we did on Saturday that just passed, there was a girl during my live stream who was, first of all, FaceTiming her mother, showing her the footage on our TVs and she was telling her mother about how messed up it was and while i was live i stood next to her and just started talking to her and 
we we she got off the FaceTime with her mother and then really wanted to talk about it and she was crying and she 100% grasped the seriousness of this and she had mm. never seen footage like this before she was on her way to McDonald's and then said she declared even on camera at one point she she was willing to declare that she was going vegan um but this mm. does happen it happens at every cube that I've been to in Brisbane. Uh, pr pretty much people declare on the spot that they'll go vegan. Or at least they take the issue seriously when they walk away. They're definitely changed. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a common occurrence at cubes. So obviously um, when we met, um, I, I haven't eaten meat for, I don't know, three years or three, three or four years or something. Uh, however, I still occasionally ate cheese, um, and I, you know, wore leather shoes and stuff like that. And part of my, part of the reason why I, I was okay with that at the time was I had some philosophical issues that I had with veganism, um, and with veganism as a whole. Um, and when we met, um, I was talking about these like philosophical problems that I had um and I realized that I probably although I still probably hold some of these issues I was probably doing some form of mental gymnastics to if I'm being honest with myself that I, I didn't realize I was probably doing some sort of like mental gymnastics to try and um um uh, justify oh my choices right um now i'm still not right over to the i'm still right over to the i still got problems with the perspective of veganism now i don't know whether or not you would call me a vegan with my choices now because sorry since we've discussed since we've chatted i went away i thought more about my ethics i bought some books on ethics interested in the topic and i thought do you know what? Like, it's probably like I'm probably not okay with with cheese. So, regardless of this, is what I'll get back to your pragmatism. Regardless of like whatever philosophical thing I'm investigating, in the meantime, I should probably at least be honest with myself. And go, I'm not okay with this. I should stand by my. I should be integ integral uh, with my decisions. So, I, I'm definitely not okay with this. These other things I'm thinking about, I can think about them and still not engage in the animal animal suffering. So that was that was kind of where i was at um but uh i i wanted to get your perspective on um on that on like vegetarianism um and and yeah and the idea of like do you see vegetarians as allies or do you see them as like a step in the wrong direction yeah the latter <laughs> okay um, yeah i don't see them as allies whatsoever I, I, okay. I think, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I, and I've made this comparison in the past, but I think it's very profound. So I'll make it again. Um, those who eat a paleo diet, they don't consume any dairy products. Uh, would we consider those who are eating a paleo diet to be our allies as vegans? Of course not. Right. Mm. vegetarians also abstain from one form of animal exploitation and cruelty and suffering. And that is the flesh, which 
sure is more obvious and a more obvious form of animal cruelty. However, we're, we're living in a day and age now it's 2022 where it's easy to look into the cruelty that happens on a dairy farm. Um, in fact, arguably there's more cruelty happening on a dairy farm and vegetarians tend to consume more dairy and eggs because they probably believe they need more protein. There's that's this misconception that I was doing that is how you're doing delicious. it. No, that's that wasn't how I was doing it. It wasn't oh, that wasn't, anything to okay. do with nutrition. If you look at me, my body type, I'm not a I'm not a um, image of health. Like I'm overweight, and it's because essentially my diet was. Um, I think the best diet you can possibly have is um, high in. Um, uh, high fructose corn, corn, uh, corn syrup, uh, um, trans fats, sugar, and um, I'm joking, obviously, but and car and high prices carbs. I'm joking, obviously, but the idea is like I ate a pretty poor diet. So even when I was a vegetarian, you know, we we would eat mainly like like bready, pastry shit, right? Like so, I was never eating it for protein reasons. I was eating it because I liked the taste. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's the thing, like, um, you may consume more dairy and eggs. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah, well, so even if it's not for the health, like, for protein or whatever, many, many vegetarians do believe that. However, even if it's not for that reason, um, it just tends to happen that way because you're consuming more, like, I guess, for calorie sake or whatever. Um, but even if it was just the same amount of dairy and eggs, um, as you would consume, if you were consuming flesh as well, um, the point still stands that, um, just from abstaining from one form of animal cruelty doesn't mean that you are an ally of someone mm. who is, um, defending animals with their with the choices that they have, the, the power mm. that they have in society, which is veganism, which is the, the only thing that is really taking a stand for representing animals. Um, so vegetarianism has been um, illegitimately placed in the same conversation as veganism for, mm. for far too long. And it's a real problem. And I've gone on record saying that I think it's even bigger of a problem than meat eating because it's created this bootleg version of veganism where people believe that you can be an animal defender without actually having to be one. Mm. And um, I, I think I hear what you're saying. Just yeah. to totally derail, but do you have any like, are you, would you consider yourself like a spiritual person or are you an agnostic atheist or do, are you religious at all or? I'm not religious, but only because I don't believe that religion is the answer. Okay. But I do believe in, um, I do believe in a God. I don't okay. have a definition for that God or some type of religious context that I can give you, but yeah, I do believe we're connected. Do you mind if I ask you, do you mind if I ask a little bit more about that? Sure. Do you, do you, um, when you say that, um, you believe in a God, um, what do you mean? 
what do I mean? I mean, I believe in us like an entity or a source uh, source from which we all come from and we all return to. Okay. So is it more, if you were to like to, to, to kind of put your God belief in like a context, would you say you're more in line with like an Eastern philosophy, like uh, India, Hinduism, kind of consciousness or western like traditional catholicism judaism i don't know um, honestly i was raised catholic um oh. but i don't know if i from my research of all religions i, I just don't gravitate towards any okay interesting it's interesting interesting to um to think about uh to, to learn about um so just just jumping back onto the vegetarianism um the maybe we can just talk about a little bit bit about why um what thoughts i have around some of the issues i have with veganism and i'd like to get your perspective um so what do you so would you say that okay i just want to clarify some definitions would you say that eating steak you're directly paying for a murder of an animal um what else is happening yeah yeah well i'm, I'm just asking if, like, if is... yeah no well my answer to that is if not that then what what are okay. you responsible for? Sure. So would you say when you're eating cheese, you're indirectly responsible for the suffering or the death of an animal? Um, no, I would say that you are just as directly responsible as you would be if you were to eat flesh. Okay. Yeah. It's just about understanding okay. how those industries work. Once you understand yeah, yeah. that, you see it. Yeah, it's exactly the same. So let's say someone um, takes a horse riding class, right? And they're mm -hmm. riding a horse. And that horse, obviously, I would, I would assume that you're against horse riding. Right? I am. Yeah. So let's say there's someone takes a horse riding class. Are they, directly, are they indirectly or directly responsible for an animal's death? Well, um, that's not as black and white because... Um, and it's not necessarily the death of the horse that makes me opposed to riding horses. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that I think it's fucked up that humans feel entitled to just ride <laughs> another animal. You know, yeah, it is. It is weird to just like jump on the back of a horse with their eighty yeah. kilo plus bodies. Uh, well, regardless of how big, you know, how, how heavy you are. Um, man but you'll, it's just insane yeah no it is weird to me as well um uh i have this running theory as well that horse people are the weirdest people um but I'll, i'm i'm gonna offend a few people with that, <laughs> uh, it's just, oh, it's just a joke um yeah no that's but, interesting but, yeah <laughs> but uh and you'll never convince me that it's never not okay to um to jump on a um to jump on 
a rescued elephant and roll around in the water with them because that is like my dream. I'm not to ride them, obviously, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I would love, I, I would fucking love to ride them. No, that sounds, that, that sounds, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. If they were yeah. into it and you were just bathing with them in the water. No, I, oh, I mean, man. there are sanctuaries I, where you can do that in Thailand where you can just mm. chill with them in the, in the water. You can actually clean them as well. You can bathe them. Oh, I love, um, that's like my dream. Yeah, you can do um, we, it in Thailand. We, we were gonna, uh, we were going to do that in Bali, and then we realized we found out that every one of them in Bali, uh, like, not, they they say they're they're ethical or whatever, but they're not. They like they do, they like do rides on the elephants, and then do. And I was like, like no, nah, I'm not supporting this. So we didn't we didn't do it. But yeah, I've I can, heard that I can send in... you. Yeah, most of them are like that. I can send you one I know of in Chiang Mai, Thailand, where oh. they are ethical. It's just, yeah, it'd be so, so awesome. But um, in regards to just sort of to get, just get back getting distracted, um, obviously this beer is taking effect. The One of the things that I am curious about though is would you say that any, necess, any unnecessary um, like food choices that we make that cause mm -hmm. suffering to animals is immoral? Or is that something you have to think about? Um, I, I think I know where you're going with this. And you know, when the question is asked like that, I have to say, yes, I do mm. think that that is immoral. However, um, my goal is very specific and it's to end the industries that are exploiting animals that are enslaving them, that are, you know, breeding them into existence that are tormenting them and murdering them in slaughterhouses. Mm -hmm. And also these industries that test on animals and, and exploit them for entertainment, like circuses and aquariums and, um, and like SeaWorld and shit like that. And these other industries that exploit animals to then turn them into clothing. So they're the industries that I am out to end. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the suffering that occurs with crop farming, while it pales in comparison, and it really does, Yes, there is some suffering involved because it's not a perfect system and like a perfect utopia is not even on the cards. Mm. So there's no point of even trying to discuss that because it's not an option. Like we can't opt for that in our society. Yeah, of course. Well, so just to clarify, because I think we discussed this briefly in Brisbane, but just to clarify for the audience, um, a big issue that I, I currently have with like the ethics of what, like what I was talking about, about my, my purchasing choices. Like, do I support, um, you know, child labor in my clothing choices and stuff like these kind of high level, like thoughts, right? So the thoughts that I was having were spent, uh, the thoughts that I'm having at the moment are, couldn't someone make the argument that anything over any like pleasurable food that's over the threshold of like what you need to survive this is also assuming that we should give a shit about survival 
But obviously, let's grant that because I don't think you get no one's getting on board on on something where you just starve yourself to death. But let's say we grant that we should survive mm-hmm. in this hypothetical. Wouldn't it be immoral to order the vegan cheesecake? Like, what? You mean what to purpose? eat more calories than you require yeah. to survive and thrive? Yeah. Well, because yeah, like, because like, obviously, like that vegan cheesecake has like even if you even if you just you remove all the crop farming and you just count the truck driving the flour to the bakery and mm. adding that little bit of pollution to the air that screws up something or 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 insects that get hit on the road you're contributing a little bit for only taste pleasure and i yeah, i sure. feel like vegans arguments are similar to that that well that they it's... they say it's unnecessary mm. yeah no i i see your point uh, however, I think that's something that we ought to address once we address being vegan. Mm-hmm. So using that as an excuse to continue not being vegan is unjustified. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, vegans, vegans order the cheesecake. That's not a reason mm. to not be vegan. That's, that's completely, yeah, that's, that's completely, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just looking for the cop-out excuse that mm. enables you to continue sleeping well at night. The, the narrative that you tell yourself that everything is okay and there's nothing to be concerned with because vegans are hypocrites. Ordering an extra cheesecake doesn't make us hypocrites because um, if we're talking about only eating within your caloric requirements, you're also talking about living within your lifestyle requirements Mm. and then you're really talking about like a communist regime that's extreme it's it's not not even that it's it's like it's 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 like yeah you 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 can the problem the problem with it is you can draw it out to infinity right like you can just keep going like you can until eventually you're not even moving for the sake of the microbes that live on your skin and you know you know, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I but I, I yeah. like what I want to say is that I feel that it's not productive to talk about like how many cars we should own, how mm. ma- how many items of clothing we should own. And mm-hmm. if we own more than whatever number we put on that, um, then we're immoral. Um, how about we just stop being responsible for the greatest form of suffering on the planet at the moment, and then we can Mm -hmm. address these other issues in society that can help to reduce suffering even further. But the greatest Mm. form of suffering, without a doubt, is what's happening in slaughterhouses, is what's happening in these labs, what's happening on leather farms, what's happening in all those industries that I've mentioned. Excuse me, this beer has got me groggy. No, that's all right. I I, I, um, I actually agree with you, and I'm glad that you said that because I think that that is true for um, any type of um this any type of activism in this space and i would actually push back a little bit about um 
you see about your your take on vegetarianism you see i think that being a vegetarian today is probably not rad probably not too radical like i mean we have like amazing options for most things right like um you know vegan cheese has still got a little way to go but in regards to like vegan you can get most things vegan right but but you know vegetarians can get like beyond burgers and stuff this it's really easy to be a vegetarian it's a little bit harder to be a vegan but it's still you know today in the in the 80s it was really hard to be a vegan like compared to what it is today not hard not undoable but it's hard harder right so like animal liberation when it first came out uh, the book by Peter Singer in 1975, that book doesn't advocate for veganism. It advocates for vegetarianism. And it was mm. radical. It was a radical, like, push forward at the time and is responsible mm -hmm. for most of the animal rights movements of today. Mm -hmm. And what I think is interesting is we should, well, you might disagree, but let me get this thought out and then you can disagree. But sure. I think, and I think, and I hope, that people in 50 years from now, because that is literally 50 years ago, roughly. I hope they look back at this conversation and call you immoral and animals for the voices immoral. For saying that, you know, I, I hope that we've gotten so far in our animal ethics and our uh, ethics on like how we treat the planet that even the idea that there can be crop deaths and we'll be okay with it is seen as like that's obviously not vegan 2.0 you got to be vegan 2.0 i hope that society keeps getting better and we keep moving yeah, towards yeah. the right i agree with you yeah. man i agree mm. with you yeah and with anonymous for the voiceless is it, it operates within the temperament of our time yeah of course about, yeah of the, of the times we live in right um again back to being pragmatic but even martin luther king is um quoted for saying that that um something along along the lines of veganism being the only path that makes sense um so whilst he was tackling the issue of black rights he he knew about animal rights and and he understood that that was the path that we have to go in ending slavery for one group of beings has to happen but it also has to happen, obviously, for all groups of beings. Um, and animals have been enslaved the longest, and it, and they're enslaved by, um, in terms of quantity, in terms of numbers, they're enslaved by numbers we can't even wrap our heads around over three trillion per year. So, um, wait, is that is that three trillion animals that are, that are killed every year? Or... Yeah, enslaved, enslaved, tortured, and murdered. Um, so there's over 80 billion land animals, and um, something to the figure of 2.3 trillion. Um, at and this is a conservative, con conservative estimate. Um, marine animals that are usually they're uh, either so they're they're either farmed, you know, like factory farmed, or they're wild caught. Um, but th this is, these are old figures. And so, and this increases per year, which, um, makes veganism all the more urgent and a moral obligation. So when I say 3 trillion per year, 3 trillion individuals, 
um, that's a conservative number. It's probably a lot more than that. So just looking it up now, because I knew the numbers were high, but I didn't realize they were this high. Uh, apparently, 150 species are going extinct every day. Every day. That's like 150 to 200. That's including birds and plants and insects and stuff, though. Yeah, that's from the habitat that, destruction due to yeah, the so, farm. Yeah, yeah and, and the thing that I want to drive home is the like we is it something like we use eight times as much crop space um like if we would if we weren't to feed livestock if we weren't to grow livestock we would need eight times as less crop space is that right is that yeah, figure right it's, yeah that that's yeah. about right it's about right i mean it could it could differ slightly it could be six times but the point is mm. is that it's it's substantially more land space that is used for the act of eating animals versus eating vegan eating plant foods directly so and this is why i think you know like addressing you know vegans eating the, the the cheesecake that they don't really need to eat is i think um while it's an interesting next step that we ought to look at at i think plant farming generally needs to be looked at um you know is there better ways to farm plants and the answer is obviously yes, there's got to be better ways. And I think veganic farming is probably the future. Mm. Veganic um, reduces the amount of suffering in agriculture, I think, to the greatest extent. But maybe vertical farming might be also an answer to reducing suffering. But I think we need to like address one thing at a time. And the most urgent thing that is right in front of us that is causing the greatest form of suffering that we can all easily participate in ending every single day, three times a day. You might eat more than three times a day. You get my point mm. is being vegan, no mm. longer voting with your dollar, voting with your actions, your choices um, to be an animal abuser, no longer being mm. a part of that, that system of, of suffering and death. I, I will say it is a really nice feeling to, to cook up like a meal that is just like awesome, like a delicious meal. And then being like, you know what? There was like no suffering that went involved in this besides yeah. like to a reasonable extent, obviously talking about rodents and stuff, but like there wasn't yeah. a cow being milked. There wasn't a um, pig getting its throat slit this is just and it's good it tastes good and there are ways to do it and there are like vegan food can be really delicious like i know that you go to a like a pub and you order a vegan burger and it's the worst thing you'll ever have but like there are really really good options um vegan food um yeah well but... see the thing is like i have to say like it depends on which pub you go to obviously you're talking about perhaps some of the experiences you've had and and i tend to agree that a lot of pubs could, don't have a good vegan option but there's been so many instances where i found myself found myself at a random pub um i drove from uh with a sale from la all the way to colorado to to denver 
And when we got to Colorado, finally, after driving through Utah, and it was a beautiful drive, by the way. But then when we got to Colorado, we ended up at this hole in the wall pub. And they were showing the Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz fight. Uh, I think it was the second fight. I can't remember. Maybe it was the first. Uh, no, it was definitely the second. Anyway, beside the point, we got there because we looked up online. They sold like these Impossible Burger sliders. And we're like, what the hell in this like random regional town? <laughs> you That's know? cool. And, and we, we go in there and we get these Impossible Sliders. And they were delicious, man. They were so yeah. on point. And yeah. we're just sitting there watching the UFC with the nicest people ever. And uh, yeah, many it, instances like that have 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 impressed. Yeah, there's the, the to be honest, it, for the most part, it is um, unless you're going to someone that knows they're how to cook vegan. It's usually dog shit, in my opinion. But the other night, I did have that experience at P P Pomona Distillery on the Sunshine Coast or around about Sunshine Coast, and. Um, most things on the on the menu are like you know burger meat burgers ribs and all that stuff and i ordered the um like some like curry and i was like oh this is gonna be garbage like it's gonna be frozen like slop it was so good it was one of the best vegan meals i've, I've had in so long and i was like how did this happen like what what, what? i think people are getting more more savvy when it comes to vegan cooking i think it's becoming much more popular and as a result yeah. yeah you get you get better options um no doubt i do have i have um two two more things i want to do with you i got some questions from the audience and you be kind because um these people have obviously never thought about <laughs> the uh, these are very like these are like grade two level questions right and then okay. i'm gonna have um and then i'm gonna rapid fire you some questions okay so the first question is um they're not all bad but so they're not all like uninformed but how can we measure if animals feel suffering as much as we would in a slaughterhouse i don't think that they need to suffer exactly like we do in order for the obligation to be vegan to be substantial for it to be um real mm. I think they just need to simply suffer in ways that are comparable to how we would suffer. Mm. And I think that they do in all of the ways that matter the most. Yeah. I, I would, I would like to push back on that a little bit as well in that even if it was not as much suffering, doesn't matter. Um, but let's say we did find some specific gene they have that meant that they would suffer more, which is possible maybe not with genes, but it's possible that they could suffer more emotionally, physically. Would this person change their eating habits? Yeah, and right. I, I'd want to ask that person, like, okay, let's say they suffered more. Would that, mm -hmm. like, we've we discovered it. Would that, would that, because I think, I think this is a diversion. This question is a diversion. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And um, again, like what you just said plays right into pragmatism and, and being practical. And so I, I of course, favor that. Um, and I, I agree that that's exactly what the response ought to be to that type of question. There was a activist who joined the cube two or three weeks ago, who said to me that she had been learning about more about the animal science of suffering. And, um, and she pointed out that um, when 
insects are on the skins of animals they flinch a lot especially horses they flinch a lot around that area of their bodies when they when there are flies and other insects and they flinch like crazy and our skins don't like our skin doesn't do that and she said because of that they actually have a higher level of sensitivity and a higher level like that's one indication of, of them having more mm. feelings than we do than we have the capacity to and so therefore there was this deduction that they would actually potentially suffer worse than we would if we mm. were in their position. And um, I've also heard about marine animals, certain marine animals like lobsters, they don't have the capacity to switch off um, when they're suffering like we do. So, you know, when you hit your knee on a hard surface, initially like oh that really hurts but you don't really feel it till like two or three days later when you're like completely swollen and you know you're bruised up and you really have to like recover you have to spend time recovering and rehabilitating whereas with a lot of these marine animals like lobsters they don't have that that separation they just feel everything immediately um so yeah there is an equal amount of capacity at least for the argument to be made that they feel more than we do. Hmm. There's also the argument to, um, I heard cosmic skeptic make this argument, um, not make this argument, but he said he came to the realization that even emotionally, these animals could be evolutionary, evolutionarily wired to experience certain emotions and certain physical pains much, much worse. And he much said that that intensely. made it, yeah, he said that made it. He made it made him sick to the stomach um, to realize that. Like, imagine yourself in a gas chamber struggling for air, um, or imagine yourself upside down with your throat being slit, or going to going to a um, slaughterhouse knowing you're gonna die. Imagine what you're going through there, and then imagine that it's possible these other animals feel it worse. And if you've ever looked in to the eyes of a pig or a cow in the footage of these trucks that are going to the slaughterhouse you can see they know something's up and they know yeah yeah they it's, certainly kind of, it's kind do. of fucked up to talk about um no, it's, it's, I've, I've had i've had many moments where i've just sat and cried over the um the thought of like being and a cow for example one instance i can recall right now is where i imagine being a cow being on the truck, getting off, walking down the kill line, seeing other members of my own species being murdered in front of me, or even just hearing and knowing about it because they clearly know what's up. Mm. Like they're not that stupid. Mm. They might they might not know what's up, but they definitely know something's up. You know, I mean, they definitely know they something's know, not they right. They know something's here. not right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 then you know, imagining like going through that process of being slaughtered, being murdered. Um, it's so fucking sad and and horrific. Mm. But um, um, now now that cows are domesticated, wouldn't they suffer in the wild if we were to just become vegan? If the world was well, the, that's not the so again, that's not the scenario we're in at the moment. You know, when we we're not all going to become vegan overnight. The the viewers of this podcast will hopefully become vegan 
but that will only make a small dent on the entire industry. It only, you know, it won't make much of an impact on the entire industry, but at least it won't be happening because of you anymore. You will no longer be the reason that animals are subjected to unimaginable torture and murder. If you, so by you becoming vegan, animals aren't sent into the wild. The way that it works is you no longer demand what's happening in these industries. Therefore, if anything, animals are no longer bred for you. Mm. They're not bred into existence to begin mm. with. So there aren't any of these beings around for us to then decide where they're going to be sent. Is it a sanctuary? Are we rewilding them? So again, back to pragmatism and actual reality of the situation. This isn't the situation we're in. So we don't need to worry about that. We mm. could possibly worry about that once we get to the point where these industries are abolished, then we have like this surplus of animals that have already been bred into existence. Then what do we do with them? Do we put them in sanctuaries? Do we rewild them? We can get to that bridge when we cross it. It's probably not going to happen because like, it, like if the world started to go vegan, I'm sure like, well, it is, the world is already starting to go vegan, but at the rates that things are catching on and they're catching on exponentially fast, but let's say they continue to do this like we just stop breeding these animals into existence and then mm. you know like it's unfortunate like the cows that we still have will probably be murdered which is unfortunate but when there's not going to be this like okay cut the fence let the cows roam out into the um forest and just see how they go it's not it's not like that at all um what, have you got any like stories from the streets where like like you've had like douchebags come up eating like steaks and stuff or like like, do you have any moments like that where you've, or you've been like uh, assaulted or something like by someone? Like, have you got any like war stories from your activism? Um, yeah, there's been some assaults. Um, <laughs> how, how, why is someone assault, assaulting you? Like, that's, um, because it's not, the truth is not a bowl of cherries. Mm. the truth can be very uncomfortable and confronting to deal with. And especially in this case, it is, it's not something that people just leisurely face. They are going to be faced with an ugly, ugly part of themselves that they've subscribed to through social norms, which completely corrupts their own individual values. Cause most, people will say they're against animal cruelty, but then when they see us, they're like, oh, actually I'm responsible for what they're showing, which is the worst form of animal cruelty that you can even imagine. What, what yeah. could you imagine doing worse to an animal than what we're showing you on our screens? Yeah. Um, but when we say, are you against animal cruelty to people? 100% of people say yes. Right. And it's yeah. because, we of course would like to say that that's the position we hold. We're against animal cruelty. We're of course we're anti-animal abuse. You know, uh, li literally everybody says that, and e mm. even hunters say that. Even hunters mm. will say that. They'll say, and like they're the ones going out there and facing the act of killing animals. Mm. They don't think that shooting a bullet through someone's brain <laughs> is an act of abuse. They don't think that yeah. that's animal abuse. That's not an act of an, if that's not an act of abuse, 
how is punching someone an act of abuse like it's just yeah. it's 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 a crazy bastardization of the human language in order to face the ugliness that we represent anyway my point that i was trying to make is that um in these instances where they've assaulted us they so in one instance i can think of right now it was in melbourne where these two guys had stopped they looked at it and they were looking pretty angry at the time they were looking <laughs> at me and i walked up to them and i said would you like to know more about why we're here or something like that and he said to me um no nah, i think you guys are dickheads and i said all right cool and i just went to walk off because i have zero interest in, in engaging with anyone yeah yeah um, yeah if they're not if they're not reachable i just don't that's not what i'm there for i'm an animal rights activist so i'm not going to waste my fucking time trying to get through to someone who's got their mind made up about this um so anyway that's i tried to walk off and he started talking shit while i was walking away and one of my activist um i guess you could say colleagues talk shit back and i was like no, no no don't you don't need to do that like we don't need to do that this just, just let it be let them walk the fuck off and yeah. he's like off oh, like I forget what he even said, but it was very, um, you know, he, he was like provoking some kind of physical altercation with him. So he then came over and they wanted to punch on and then there were a few blows exchanged and then they fucked off and that was the end of the story. Um, usually people troll and, and they can be pretty aggressive and they yell and scream. Um, but they usually just troll with memes that they've seen on the yeah. internet like oh you guys are vegan oh do you drink water well that's where fish live so <laughs> that's yeah, a fish's house like, bro yeah 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 it's just like I, they're speaking I, memes and i swear yeah. man i was thinking i was just thinking about this today i feel like the way our language is going the way we speak to each other and the way we communicate it is going in the direction of just talking in memes to, to each oh other. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it truly is. Like, I think even Apple, when they did their release, they said um, they know they're going to be, they're making a joke. They said they know they're responsible for the decline of English language, but they made it so when you clicked on emojis, it like gave you options to like click all the words and just change them to emojis. And they said, we know yeah, that yeah. it's going to like, <laughs> like the, the next generation is fucked. But like, yeah, like they're like, <laughs> talking memes. Oh, geez. Um, Okay, well, I actually have a fun little experiment for you. Now, I'm sure that you've heard um, a million of these memes over the course, memes or ideas over the course of uh, your activism in the last nine years, uh, five years or nine years, sorry. What was it? How many years have you been in activism? Six or seven I've been doing Six activism. or seven, okay. Um. So this is a website called yourveganfallacyis.com <laughs> and it just lists a bunch of like commonly common fallacies when it comes to people eating meat oh. or trying to justify their eating of meats, excuse me. So I just wanted to rapid fire these out and for you to give like the quickest rapid fire answers you can on each one of these um, things. Sure. So you reckon you're up for the challenge? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. First one, animals are not intelligent enough to matter. 
Um, yeah. So like what is intelligent enough to matter? You know, some humans don't have any kind of intelligent um, capacity that we would deem to be comparable to a normal person in society. Does that then justify causing cruelty and suffering to those individuals? Yeah, I like to think of it as like the trait equalized human. So if like there was a human that had the intelligence of a pig, would it be okay to gas them in the chamber and then eat their flesh? Probably right. not. Right, yeah. Uh, animals eat other animals too, so I will. <laughs> yeah, well, other animals do a lot of things that we don't do. And so why are we picking and choosing only certain activities that other animals engage in? Um, the same yeah. animals that people like to point to to use as excuses for not being vegan also do things like sniff each other's asses, they rape, they kill and eat babies of their own species. <laughs> and so if you were to do any of those things, you would be seen as an insane person in, this, in the current constructs we have in society. Um, so it's pure hypocrisy to say that just because they engage in killing and eating each other, that we are then allowed to do that morally. Makes no sense. Canine teeth make me a meat eater. Canine teeth. Um, in fact, it's interesting because um, hippos have the largest canine teeth of any animal and they're okay. herbivores. They're herbivores. Um, so hippos have huge canine teeth in order to scare away predators who might try and kill them um but just because nature gives you a, a certain tooth size doesn't mean you have to go and act out violent acts with with those you know like um i don't even think that human canines are even that significant for us to act like they're they're designed for chewing and 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 biting through flesh so yeah so yeah i don't even think that that's a significant argument on a biological level but even if we did have so-called canines that were designed to eat flesh doesn't mean we need to doesn't mean we need yeah. to do anything of the sort we can decide what we should engage in and being vegan is perfectly adequate and healthy to survive and thrive. Period. Uh, this one, this one is um, is eating meat is my personal choice. But I'm I want to preface this. Pause. Um, I messaged my office, uh, like where I work today, and I said, um, I and this and I said this to a bunch of people too. I'm interviewing a vegan activist tonight. This is your chance to hit him with a earth-shattering philosophical question <laughs> that will pull apart veganism at the seams. And I said, mm. his argument will be, humanity has a moral obligation to be vegan. Okay? The responses okay. I got from people, KFC though, but meat tastes good. End of discussion. And so, yeah, that fits into the eating meat is my personal choice. So what would you say to um, these people? I mean, murdering humans is also a personal choice. And I'm not dis not disagreeing that it's a personal choice, but yeah. the mere fact that it is a personal choice doesn't absolve you from moral obligations. Cool. So they would normally go to um, humans are different because, and this is the next one, I'm on top of the food chain. 
humans. Yeah. So being top of the food chain is, um, if anything, it um, requires more of a responsibility on our part in the way that we carry ourselves. So we have a responsibility ideally to protect other species with this power that we have top of the food chain is also um it's an aggrandized arbitrary label that we place on ourselves as human beings um if you place a human being and a lion in the same room with no weapons, a lion is going to fuck you up. So when you bring tools into the situation like guns, then humans become more dominant. But again, just because you have the power to dominate over another species doesn't necessarily mean you need to act out that domination with violence when you can mm. just simply assess the situation and decide to act with responsibility and integrity. You could then otherwise, like in, in this situation, we're talking about cows and pigs and chickens and turkeys and fish. These animals have done nothing to cause any type of threat to us or to harm us in any type of way. Um, and we, per we have a perfectly adequate option to just leave them alone. And so if we are at the top of the food chain, then surely we have a greater responsibility to act with integrity in, in accordance to those animals and leave them alone. I only eat humane meat. Yeah, humane is a label that is placed on these, you know, like the word humane means to show benevolence or compassion. There's nothing benevolent or compassion about murdering an animal unnecessarily and, um, and factory farms and farms in general, the whole process, which we've already gotten into throughout this video. There's nothing humane about that. The word humane is placed as a label across that to distort the reality of what's happening. So it's just a, a lie that humans tell themselves. Our early ancestors ate meat. They did a lot of things. They raped and killed each other. <laughs> um, there was horrendous things happening throughout the lives of our ancestors. And, and you're not making a pro-rape. And you're not making a pro-rape argument, I'm assuming, right? How do you mean? <laughs> like I was just saying, because like I, I was saying the argument is our ancestors ate meat and you said, um, you know, they also raped people. And I'm like, oh, so you're not, you're not making a pro-rape argument. Like that's the, like, the joke. <laughs> it is a joke. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I get, sorry. I, I get the yeah. human now, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's clear that they were doing a lot of different fucked up things. The whole point of, of uh, ancestry is that we're to evolve. Like if we're supposed to evolve, then we're supposed to look at what our ancestors did and look at how we can improve. Right. Yeah. Uh, I do not need to be vegan to love animals. You don't need to love doesn't even need to come to the into the equation at all whatsoever. You can hate another human being doesn't give you a right to kill them. Interesting. That's a really good point. Um, plants are also alive. They're alive. They're intelligent. Doesn't mean they're sentient. Huge difference. They don't have a brain, no central nervous system. That means they don't experience life in the same way that a sentient being does.
Yeah. So they don't experience life. Yeah. That's a good but point. even if someone was to convince me or any vegan that plants suffer in a comparable way to animals, then you're still making the case for veganism mm. because vegans consume the least amount of plants. Yeah. Um, vegans cannot get vegans cannot get enough iron. It's just completely incorrect. Yeah. Right? There's no vegan specific disease that even exists. Oh, B12 deficiency, iron deficiency that exists within all humans. Mm. Right. More non-vegans are anemic, iron deficient than vegans. So why yeah, do, why do vegans get slapped with this iron deficiency story? Because it's an memes. excuse. Yeah, it's an excuse. There's, I think the only diet in the world that's been proven to stop like arrest and reverse heart disease is a whole food plant based diet. Yeah, exactly. No other diet in the world. Yeah. Um, the only diet in the world to reverse our number one killer. Or stop our number one killer, heart disease, is a whole food plant based diet. Like, that's pretty. Yeah. Well, I think that we'll actually uh, end the interview there. However, I do want to ask one final thing, and that is do you have any recommendations for where people can go to learn more about like vegan food they can make or um, vegan recipes, vegan, like how, how to become vegan if they wanted to? I'd recommend going to cubeoftruth.com. Mm -hmm. Cubeoftruth.com has some resources like a Reddit link, which shows you how to find recipes through Reddit. There's a lot of recipes that are shared on Reddit. Um, you can also just use Google. To be quite frank, it's the easiest thing in the world to do and research through Google. Um, just type in whatever your favorite recipe is and then search for a vegan option. Thank you, Paul Bashir, for coming on the Deep Drinks podcast. It's been a very interesting conversation. Um, it's nice to be drunk on a Friday night as opposed to like a Saturday morning, um, <laughs> which is not normally, sorry, when I do these podcasts. Uh, and uh, thanks again for coming on. And um, Thanks I'll, for having uh, me. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, cool. we, uh, links, links in the description for anyone who wants to check out your stuff and obviously all your resources that you mentioned as well. Yeah. Cool, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me.